Hello, and welcome to Better Betting. Here are your hosts, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill, and the ruler of the replays, Eric Rubin. Hey, and welcome to Better Betting. My name is Eric Rubin, and I'm here with my partner, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill. GQ, how be you? Doing good, Eric. I got a new laptop. I don't know why I got a laptop. I'm so old school. You would think I'd get a Surface or something else. But my other one died last week. I did the podcast via my phone, which was cool. But I decided to try out the uh, new laptop. So everything's good. And, uh, you know, the, the cool thing about October is baseball teams, some of the better baseball teams play. And the evil empire, a.k.a. the New York Yankees, they they can do the same thing as my favorite baseball team, the Baltimore Oriole players can do. They can make tea times now. So it's like I, I feel so good when I see, you know, the teams that are always winning being eliminated because, you know, it's been uh, a generation since my beloved Orioles have uh, seen the World Series. Yeah, li- living in New York, I'm not a Yankee fan, but I have some friends who are Yankee fans, and they are so obnoxious. So I'm not a Yankee hater, but I was kind of <laughs> quietly rooting against them. Uh, your computer is very nice. Uh, the only downside is, I was mentioning this to you before, it's very high definition, which is awesome. The only thing is, I didn't really want to see you that closely. I can see like every uh, little mark of skin you have. Very handsome guy, by the way, but... Anyway, can you see the the eighty inch screen TV? I see that some race is going on. It looks like from another country, but I see something going on in the background. I think they're running the wrong way. But uh, anyway, we have maybe maybe it's because we have the mirror image or whatever, so it looks like they're running. It looks like Australia A or B or C (laughs) or D or whatever. But actually, it's Laurel or whoever. But anyway, um, enough of the small talk. Um, We have a guest. And uh, yeah, our podcast is probably what 15, 16 months old. Uh, we do this weekly, and I, I think uh, it's another first uh, of our guests. And you, you're saying no, I think I know what you're gonna say, and it's no, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, it's not our first meteorologist. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Minnesotan. <laughs> is that how you say Minnesotan? Minnesotan, Minnesotan. We've actually had Minnesotans before. Yeah, uh, see that? yeah. Eric Eric Bilek was on recently. Yeah, he, yeah. he was on a couple times actually. So, yep. but anyway, go ahead, GQ. Yeah. So, so yes, our special guest, and as you always say, if people made their way via Spotify or wherever they find uh, our podcast or Twitter, they already know who our guest is, and it's the infamous Mr. Marshall Sterling, who is a meteorologist handicapper or a handicapper who's a meteorologist. Welcome, Marshall. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, um, I, I guess, uh, you know, technically I was, I wanted to be a meteorologist before I got into handicapping. So I'm a meteorologist of handicaps. We'll call it that. So, yeah, looking at your Twitter account, um, which we won't give out more because uh, we always, we always uh, you know, uh, Eric tags you anyway, but uh you, why, why don't you tell us? Because I don't want to give it out wrong. I know I ha- had it written down. Yeah, so I'm at G1 Handicapping. At G1 Handicapping. So if you need a weather forecast or if you want to see terrible picks, you can always uh, contact me and I'll be happy to uh, give out either or for sure. <laughs> that sounds awesome. 
So, uh, Marshall, uh, welcome to our uh, little uh, podcast uh, sponsored by no one other than ourselves. Uh, I think we've offended enough people that are, we we now have a short list of potential sponsors. But uh, we typically, whenever we have a guest on, uh, just kind of go through uh, finding out more about, about them, how how uh, you got into horse racing, your interest, and we'll go from there. Sounds good to me. Sounds good. So uh, how did uh, you find your way to uh, liking the ponies? Yeah, so um, I went to my first race. Um, uh, my best friend, Brett, he had brought me to Canterbury Park. Um, his grandmother, who's HOF at Canterbury, um, shout out to Mary Green. Uh, nice. she, she just got inducted this year, but, um, we, we went with his, his grandmother and I was hooked ever since. Um, yeah, I got, I got a little VIP treatment, got to go, um, down the backside. And, um, uh, I distinctly remember there was a stakes horse by the name of Coconino Slim, whom Mary's friend owned. And we were able to get in the winner's circle because Coconino Slim had won. I had won money. I mean, it was just, uh, it was top-notch day. Um, so from then on, um, I, I started to actually dig into handicapping. Um, Brett and I used to sit up late at night. I mean, three, four in the morning, going over past races, trying to figure out how to best spend our our hard-earned dollars, and uh, just tried to uh, figure out the analytical conundrum of handicapping in general, um, and uh, and that was what really got me started. Was I love puzzles, and boy, is handicapping one crazy puzzle. <laughs> yes, it is, and believe me, I mean, I've been reading past performances for a half a century. I'm still finding new ways of screwing things up betting wise or, mm-hmm. or, or not finding everything between the lines of, of handicapping. So uh, it's interesting. The majority of our guests, somehow they had a family uh, introduction or whatever, but you had a, had a, had a good friend who, who brought you in. So that's awesome. Yeah, I definitely got lucky that, uh, you know, his family had been, you know, part of horse racing, you know, his grandmother owned horses. Um, a couple of their horses are um, Hall of Fame at Canterbury Park. And so uh, it, it's it was really awesome to be able to get that experience where they were, you know, they were so knowledgeable and so ingrained into the sport already. Um, but to be able to be brought in that way was it was incredible. And uh, it was it, it didn't take much to, to hook me. Uh, into the game and and then you know once I figured out what past performances were and holy buckets there's like 10 different kinds of those and they all have different numbers and what do these numbers mean what do you do with these numbers oh this number looks good uh, okay <laughs> sure oh my gosh I won uh, you know just trying to put everything together um, was it was it was really amazing I mean it's it's one of those sports where you know, the more that you dive into the numbers, you know, whether it's speed figures, timing, et cetera, the, the more you seem to um, discredit them or, um, or just be a complete, you know, um, pessimist about how those numbers were formed. And so, uh, you know, we're, we're lucky in our sport to have, you know, people like um, Timeform Craig, who is very open about speed figures and, um, about the speed figures that he creates himself to be able to um, uh, learn from the best. Cool. So you had mentioned that, uh, you know, you, you 
tried out the different uh, handicapping products. So which which product have you settled on or do you use multiple ones in your handicap? Yeah, so I'm, I'm traditionally uh, a pace handicapper. Um, and so for me, I use a couple different products. I use Timeform US. I, you know, I was um, born and raised, so to speak, on DRF. So, uh, you know, I, I use Formulator. Yeah, I use Formulator um, um, specifically to be able to dig into trainer notes and, and that um in uh, those sorts of statistics. And then also I use optics EQ. Um, I, I love optics um, way of displaying pace. Um, their speed figures can be hit or miss at times, but I really do enjoy um, the product that optics optics has as well. So I usually combine all three um, to be able to really deep dive into a card. Wow. So you, you really go the gamut of all the products out there. So yeah, uh, folks, uh, Marsh, uh, Marshall is no uh, lightweight when it comes to getting into his handicapping and I'm sure his wagering as well. But uh, you started off, you said your, your first track was Canterbury. Over the years, ha have you been able to venture out across the country? Uh, what other tracks uh, have you enjoyed uh, being yeah. at? Yeah, yeah. So my the very first track that I went to outside of Canterbury Park was uh, the uh, 2016 uh, Belmont Stakes. Um, and so that was a, it was a hell of a way to be able to uh, <laughs> to uh, venture outside of uh, the state of Minnesota to go watch Triple Crown. Um, and then um, from there, uh, you know, just this past year, uh, my wife and I and a couple friends took a road trip out to upstate New York to go visit Saratoga. And so we spent a couple of days out there um, with, with a bunch of our friends and uh, actually met up with a, a group that um, I met on Twitter from horse racing Twitter. Um, we have a, a Slack group that we put together, go Slack pack. And um, we had, uh, we had met up and, and, and met each other all at Saratoga. So you know, Saratoga will have a, a special place in my heart, but uh, those are the two tracks that I ventured out uh, outside of Canterbury. I wish I would have been able to get out to Arlington, um, you know, before they closed Arlington down. But uh, they're, they're, those are the first two that I've been to, and there will be many more to come for sure. Well, if you've been at, uh, since you said Bel uh, Belmont on Belmont Stakes, I don't care if it was a Triple Crown winning uh, race or not. I've had the pleasure of being there on Belmont Stakes Day about three or four times. And that's the most intense experience I've ever had at uh, a, a racing venue. I mean, that building just shakes from the time those gates open for that race for the next two and a half minutes. And you're shaking your head saying, yes, indeed. So it, it doesn't get any better than that, Marshall. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and to be fair, um, I mean, comparing it to other sporting events, it's by far the loudest sporting event I've been to. And I've been to playoff games in the, in the old Metrodome for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. And those were loud, but um, you know, what, being there watching American Pharaoh come down, uh, to win the triple crown really, really was something else. Uh, th that's for sure. So uh, not to put you on the spot, since you, you, you've listed off a ton of different handicapping products that you use, um, what, what would you say is your best handicapping advice or tool uh, that you found that 
have 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 gotten you the edge, meaning probably like finding the best value in a horse. Or yeah. does it vary? It does vary, and specifically, it varies from the um, not only the surface of the race, but also distance. Um, I've found that optics, especially on grass, is extremely valuable for finding value. Um, specifically um, in uh, turf sprints, uh, it typically is is very very good, or at least has has worked out very well for me. Um, Kentucky Downs this year, I had by far my best season I've ever had using nice. optics solely. Nice. Um, so um, I, I really do like optics as far as grass is concerned. Um, the sprint um, uh, pace figures are a little, or the dirt sprint uh, pace figures for optics can be, um, I don't want to say misleading, but they don't always pan out. Um, but uh, again, uh, you know, for me, being a very visual person and being very statistically and mathematically focused. I, I do like optics a lot as far as a product that isn't necessarily used a lot, but does have a lot of value to it. Cool. But boy, does it take a, there's a hell of a learning curve there though. <laughs> With any of the products. Yeah. Good uh, to know. But the, the one good thing is they, they have a few, uh, YouTube videos to kind of give you a little taste of, of what it's all about uh, yeah. in, in order to draw people in. So, so that's good. Uh, so we're going to, you're kind enough to share your time with us in the handicapping segment that we'll be going over since it Keeneland's uh, opening weekend. Uh, Keeneland has an all stakes pick five on Saturday that uh, uh, pretty much Eric and yourself will be, uh, diving into, and I'll, I'll share some thoughts along the way. Uh, so even though we're doing a pick five, um, do you have a favorite wager? Do you like horizontals versus verticals, or does it all depend on what you've doped out as far as uh, a race or a sequence of races? Yeah. I mean, ultimately it does depend on the sequence dramatically. Um, you know, for instance, uh, with this, uh, pick sequence at Keeneland, uh, it, it's, it's pretty tough. Um, you know, there's a few races that I, I think have vulnerable favorites. Um, so, you know, I'm at least with this sequence, I'm looking to play a lot of doubles and a lot of pick threes, um, and, and weight them pretty heavily. Uh, the, typically the, uh, at least my goal as far as, uh, multi-race wagering is concerned is, you know, obviously you want to, um, push the opinions that you have, but, you know, with a pick five sequence, you've got to come back and play, you know, if, if the value is there, play a win bet or come back and play some doubles, you know, you don't want to lose a sequence four out of five and not hit doubles or pick threes. You just don't want to do that. You're absolutely cutting your feet off. Sure. And, uh, and so I, I, I do that a lot, uh, where, uh, you know, I'll play intra sequence, um, doubles and pick threes just to try to, uh, maximize my opinions as far as the the sequence is concerned. Cool, interesting, it, it, and yeah, it's that that's the one thing that, like you said, it's a killer. You you wind up finding a nice price in a sequence, but if that's all you got and you go four or five, you feel like you know taking yourself out back and shooting yourself. But uh, so yeah, good good advice on on uh, kind of like backing up. Uh, that value with uh, other bets. So uh, 
speaking of the handicapping portion, before I turn it over to Eric with any questions he might have, I'll ask I'll ask one last question. Um, horse racing, uh, in, in all truthfulness, it, you know, it's outside of the bad press it's been getting over the past couple of years. I mean, for the last couple of decades, it's been in trouble. It's been a dying sport. But yeah, on our biggest days, the, the Triple Crown races, Breeders' Cup, the numbers are there. The handles keep going up. So you, so there is interest, but uh, we still need to attract uh, more fans, more more dollars. Do you have any thoughts on what you think uh, could be the uh, golden ticket as far as uh, bringing uh, new blood into the sport? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, it, it's obviously a very tough question. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of different aspects to horse racing that are are very marketable and very presentable that I, I don't think that we as uh, horse racing do a good enough job with. You know, obviously with the the Triple Crown races and, and some of the bigger days, you know, we do have, you know, tons of fans. We have the TV coverage, which is great. But then when there's every other day or, you know, if there's 30 or 40 racetracks going on, there's just too much going on on a single day for a casual horse racing fan to be able to bebop in and out of playing, you know, Monmouth or Louisiana Downs or, you know, oh, man, Los Al's going now. Well, let's go play some quarter horses. You know, um, there, there's, there's just too much for a casual fan to be able to come in and out of. Um so ultimately, uh, it's it's probably a fairly unpopular opinion, but um, I, I think we need to consolidate a lot of the racetracks that we have, um, consolidate the product, make it as good as it can, and not try to spread ourselves out too thin. You know, having four tracks in New York or, you know, having five or six tracks in Florida and, and just going to around to these different jurisdictions, you know, it's great to be able to have a track that you can all of a sudden switch off of to be able to, you know, continue that horse racing program. But, you know, ultimately, you know, you tend to have a little, a little bit more of a watered down product, right? Saratoga is great, but then you go to the Belmont fall meet. It's not, <laughs> the quality isn't, isn't there. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where, you know, if we can consolidate the racing to make it more marketable. So that way we can have, you know, these big horse racing days on TV, you know, every Saturday, you know, what, what FS2 is doing with America's Day at the Races is great. That's mm -hmm. great to have that, that spotlight on those races. Um, and I think we need to do more it, it, just getting out into the spotlight um, than we already are. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And the, the unfortunate thing about why it's going to be tough for that to happen, I think everybody knows, is that the track owners are not going to let that happen. Every, everybody's going to want their piece of the pie and will do everything possible in order to survive. And, and the fact of the matter is every year, the number of thoroughbreds that are fold continue to drop. So there, again, we're going to just continue to see a word down product unless there's some consolidation. Yep. Um, yeah, CDI is doing their part by selling <laughs> off uh, Arlington to the Chicago Bears. I guess that's a, a good thing. Wink, wink. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, 
Yeah, I, I that's the thing, Marshall. I, you know, n nobody has uh, the the one thing, or let's put it this way: uh, the players that are involved aren't are, are going to go kicking and screaming in order to make uh, the the best thing for horse racing to happen. So, um, no, appreciate your thoughts on that. So, uh, without further ado. Uh, I'll bring Eric in with any additional questions uh, he may have for you. And I look forward to uh, the handicapping segment. Your thoughts, Eric. Thanks, GQ. Well, you made fun of me for going too long in these shows, so I better not have much in terms of questions. But, uh, Marshall, just curious, do you follow uh, multiple tracks? Are you kind of a one-track guy when you're betting? Are you betting three, four tracks, one track a day? Um, if I'm going to bet, it's more going to be based on the sequence and not necessarily the track, per se. Um, you know, obviously, uh, tomorrow, which is Friday at Keeneland, that, that late pick sequence is really, really good. Uh, um, so that's one that I'll probably focus on. Um, I do like the late pick sequence here on Saturday as well. Um, Breeders' Cup is coming up quick. And so I'm, I'm already starting to do my work focusing towards the Breeders' Cup right now. Nice. All right. Well, we can get into the, uh, the handicapping here. Curious your thoughts and uh, to discuss some things with you. So we're going to start uh, covering Saturday's late pick five at Keeneland opening weekend. It is race six. The pick five begins with. Uh, I thought actually I have to thank GQ for this because I was going to start race seven to eleven, but he had told me that it was race six. So double checking, he was correct. So race six, Keeneland. On the turf, five and a half furlongs, the Woodford grade two. And since Marshall's our guest, I'm going to start with him and maybe I'll pose one or two questions. Uh, first of all, is this a two horse race that the odds make it appear? And secondly, I, I know in the interview portion, you said that you're a big pace handicapper. I'm curious how you see the pace playing out here. So if you can answer those and then discuss any horses you'd like, go for it. Yeah, so the biggest question here is the two the two favorites coming into the race, which is the number two Golden Pal and number six Extravagant Hit, are both coming off of layoffs coming from overseas. Um, what do you do with those horses? Um, you know, Golden Pal absolutely was flat as can be in the Nunthorpe and went off favored in that race. Um, I mean, what what happened? A Golden Pal is as as talented as a turf sprinter as we've seen in a while. But that, but that last race was really something else. Um, and it makes me leery of leaning on Golden Pal in this sequence, um, quite frankly. Um, but he is the speed of the speed. Um, I'd fully expect the number one to, to kind of try to go with him. That, that horse has shown, especially going, uh, let's see here, four back to the Shaker Town. That, that horse is fast. Um, and was able to out sprint bound for nowhere and, and a few other Wesley wards that were, that were really, really quick that day. So um, I, I fully expect to see Johnny unleashed from the rail go um, whether or not the horse is fast enough to keep up with golden pal, I doubt, but possible. Um, and if those two go, go to the lead um, you know, I, I think that we could see another, um, uh, another reincarnation of the Nunthorpe with golden pal. Um, the other part of this is that the race is five and a half furlongs, um, which is another half furlong than what the Nunthorpe was. If the Nunthorpe was five and a half, then golden pal actually would have finished farther back. Um, so that's, that makes me very leery. Um, for me, I I'm looking at a stocking type of horse 
Uh, and that one is not Extravagant Kid. Extravagant Kid is coming off of the layoff from off the uh, um, Darley July Cup from Newmarket, where I, I did like um, Extravagant Kid in that race, but I mean, there was, again, no punch whatsoever coming down the stretch. Um, I was lucky enough to have Extravagant Kid in the Alquaz and in the King Stand, um, but uh, the that Darley July Cup was was a really flat effort. And you know, for me, it feels like if Extravagant Kid comes here and wins, that he, you know, maybe maybe they think about going to the turf sprint or or attempting to do so. Maybe Golden Pal tries to do that too. I want the horse that's going to stock them, which is going to be the number four Fire Crow. Um, uh, Ron Moquette on turf is usually um, a losing proposition, but going two back to the turf sprint at Pimlico, uh, I, I was lucky enough to have him at 10 to one that day. And he really fired with Joel Rosario on his back. Now, Joel Rosario was staying in New York to ride Guffaut, um at Belmont, which I, I wish he was on today, but Tyler Gaffleone is usually pretty aggressive out of the gate. Um, and we'll definitely have him sitting off the leaders. The last time out in um, the Turf Monster, the horse went out to set a really fast, um, uh, really fast lead um, and buried the other speeds, finishing um, um, fourth by two. If this horse is able to stock and pounce like, uh, like he did in the Turf Sprint, I think this horse is going to be awfully, awfully live. And that nine to two is probably going to be better. Um, because I'm expecting Golden Pal to be a little bit lower in price as well. So uh, my top pick is Fire Crow, but I would have to use the two and the six both equally. Great. Good job covering all the horses that I was probably going to talk about, so it makes it easy <laughs> for me. No, that's good, because I, I don't like anyone you didn't mention, so I don't really have to talk much about them. County Final, the Sevens, had perfect setups. I really don't like that horse. And oh, by Charcoal, the way, there's, that? There's, no, there's no prayer between you two that this goes under two hours. <laughs> Charcoal, he's being number three back. He got a perfect setup. He's not running that number again. He could get a good setup again. I actually, I'm hoping you're a little wrong with your pace scenario. I'm not saying you are, Marshall. I'm hoping. Johnny Unleashed, the one, doesn't get out of the gate a lot. I agree he has a lot of speed, but the reason he was on the lead in those races he wasn't is because he got out a little slow. And I almost hope he gets out a little slow again and he lets Firecrow do the dirty work against Golden Powell. And I hope he can sit like third just behind them and, um, you know, maybe a 20 to one, give me a, a prayer to bomb. So I'm actually going to use Johnny Unleashed as uh, one of my top picks here. Uh, Golden Powell, like you said, he's had easy leads and he's caught them up. I know he's very talented. Uh, he ran very well in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf uh, Sprint last year. So that was a good race. But his two this year, he's had easy leads. Uh, and not, you know, I know he won two back fairly easily, but with an easy lead also. So I know he's dangerous, but maybe I'll, I'll take a swing against and perhaps they're just getting a prep in for the Breeders' Cup. So maybe he's not fully cranked also coming back from England, but who knows? Uh, an extravagant kid you already talked about. His last race said no punch. They actually went, uh, maybe you saw it, it sounds like, but they went uphill late, I guess. And as soon as they hit that uphill mark, he just like said, I want no part of this. Maybe now flat ground, he'll run better. Could get a decent setup, but you know, also off a layoff, perhaps the Breeders' Cup is their target also, and we'll see how he runs. But, um, you know, I'm going to lean on the one here, and you made a case for Firecrow, too. I had I was actually at Pimlico that day uh, and singled him that day. I don't think I hit the pick five anyway, but I singled him, and uh, that race worked out well, but that was about it. Uh, I, I don't know if 
he's good enough here, but um, I think he's well worth the use at nine to two because if the top two don't fire, he's probably got the best shot of anyone else. Anything else you want to add, Marshall, before I throw it to GQ for a moment? In the turf sprint, uh, Pimlico, I singled him as well and went oh, nice. four for five. So, yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I probably did the same. <laughs> it, was a, it was a brutal day. Um, no, I, I, I think that if Firecrow is able to sit off Golden Pal and doesn't go, um, you know, I, I think that he's very dangerous. If he goes with Golden Pal, um, yeah, yucky. Um, yeah, then, I, then, then I'm in a world of hurt there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and and I do agree that the one, um, it, it, the break is everything. And if the one can actually get out of the gate, um, then you know there may be uh, even could be three horses on trying to vie for for the front here. Um, and that makes me even more leery of Golden Pal, especially at potentially two to five, three to five. Yeah, and I wanted to mention about Johnny Unleashed. His last race, I know people are going to see a 66 buyer. If you have buyers, I'm sure his other speed figures weren't good. But he did get into a, a pretty fast duel with a six to one shot who ended up coming in eighth out of 10, like way in the back. So um, that, that was a, a legitimate serious pace. I know you can see the uh, the time and it looks fast, but sometimes in times deceiving, the turf was playing fast at Ellis, but that was a legitimate pace. So I would definitely upgrade slash excuse that race for him. So he still has to step up here, but I'm hoping he gets a good trip. GQ, uh, anything to add? GQ decided to mute himself, I think. So we're not going to know if he has anything to add. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there he is. Yeah. Uh, Marshall actually has, has two uh, four-legged animals, uh, two dogs that we uh, didn't mention during his interview. And, um, I'm sure they both weigh more than 17 pounds, but that's how that's how much weight Golden Pal is taking off off of uh, his last uh, race. I don't know. I you know Golden Pal could definitely be the false favorite because of the fact, and you, you know I love the fact of betting against three year olds first time and against older. But I'm not sold on extravagant kid either because he's over five at, at uh, Keeneland. So I applaud both of you for picking uh, horses other than than those two. Uh, so they, that's my only observation. On top of the fact that um, forgot to throw in the quill question of the week, which will take five seconds for, but I'll throw it out to Marshall uh, as well. Quill question of the week is Hershey syrup. Or Nestle's quick. Oh, Nestle's quick. <laughs> oh, not, that's, that's not even a question. Wrong <laughs> answer, but we'll move on. <laughs> one and one. <laughs> you know what? It might be Wait a, minute. a it might be a regional thing since Hershey syrup is, you know, Hershey PA probably more prevalent in the, the mid-Atlantic and east, you know, northeast. Uh I guess uh, Nestle's Quick was more of a Midwestern type of uh, uh, flavor, but so so let me I don't ask. Even know what uh, that means? Nestle's uh, French, by the way, and if you, I'm pretty sure. Well, and no, no, a, it's it's owned by a Dutch. Uh, all right. Now. All right. But, anyway, uh, and if you look up, by the way, I, as a history guy, yes. look up Nestle and their treatment of people, and you'll like Hershey's better. But anyway, I don't want to get off on a tangent there. So go ahead, continue. <laughs> What? But one more thought. Now, now I've had both, but the weird thing is, uh, are we talking the syrup or the powder? I actually like the uh, Nestle's Quick powder. Powder. As a as a kid, I used to like take. 
take a teaspoon, I'd have a glass of milk, but I would just barely dip it into the milk to just get a little bit of milk and then eat eat the powder, you know. Yep. It would be it would be like the cinnamon challenge, you know. <laughs> yep. And yeah, it, no, it the was, powder powder is definitely it. Yeah. So there there you go. So we're one and one. So I can't wait for these next four races. You two are a match made in heaven. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll move on from your chocolate diversion to go to Caneland <laughs> race seven. It is the Thoroughbred Club of America. I guess Sprint. That's all the name is. It's a grade two, six furlongs on the dirt. This race has uh, three horses who are kind of like, I don't know, co-favored, but three favorites and three, uh, four prices. No, three prices. There are six horses in the race. Bell's one who has won several uh, stakes races. Uh, Frank's Raquette is another one taking money. And Estillo Talentoso, the other one taking the money. I know I prefer one of the, uh, of the three of those. Marshall, do you see uh, those three as uh, one of them winning, or do you like any of the prices here? I really wanted to like the number three uh, in the midst of the biz. Um, Cipriano Contreras had did this exact same move last year, um, running in the literally the exact same stakes at, um, at Presque Isle on the poly, then came back, and the horse ran absolutely a monster race winning by three lengths, uh, the TCA sprint. Um, I really wanted to like this horse, but boy, the form is just abysmal compared to last year. Um, for me, I think from a pace scenario, uh, that horse is going to the lead and the horse that I like, which is going to be the number one, Frank's Rocket, is going to sit off. And I, I really do like Frank's Rocket. Um, you know, I think Bell's the one is probably the most talented horse in the field. I just don't think that the the race sets up for her. Uh, the, the horse is going to be basically dead last. And it's, the, the pace scenario here just doesn't scream to me something where we're going to have a meltdown. Um, so because, and to be fair, I don't even think that the three is even going to be contested on the lead. Um, it, I just think that the th- Three is going to be cheap speed here, and we're just going to see Frank's Rocket kind of inhale the lead coming out of the turn and won't look back. So for me, uh, I'm Frank's Rocket, um, and I, I do think Bell's the one is probably the, um, again, the one to beat. But uh, I, I think pace scenario-wise, this horse is going to be at a disadvantage. You know, I've always been a Bell's one fan. I, I think I actually singled this horse on Derby Day last year or two years ago, whenever it was, when she won. Uh, the last race kind of scares me. I don't know. Uh, you have other speed figures, maybe. Uh, I know GQ, you got the Brisnet, I think. What, was the last race for Bells and One a lot slower speed figure-wise on the on the Briz figures or anything that you have, uh, Marshall, too? Versus what? Versus her previous races? Did she dip a lot no, last race? No, she, she got a Briz, as far as Brisnet, her last race was a 99, which was the same. We can't hear you, GQ. Yeah. We couldn't hear you. You were talking over oh, the camera there. No, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Um, Brisnet wise, she got a 99 in that last race, which she got a, also got a 99.3 back. Um, oh, okay. Which the the grade two two back, she got a 95. All right, and buyer wise, she took a dip last time down to an 89, and I mean maybe the buyers are off and I'm not like married to speed figures, but I thought she didn't get like a great setup last time, but I thought she had no reason not to run better. And listen, she lost a good horse in Wisconsin. She was never going by Wisconsin at the end. And 
I'm willing to take a shot against Bells and Warren. Marshall's taking a shot against, maybe for a different reason, but he might be taking a shot against also. I actually prefer uh, Estillo Talentoso in this race. My only fear is the distance. Is this too short for her? Uh, I really liked her Princess Rooney race two back. Um, she was bumped at the start, probably cost her about a, uh, a length there, and I thought she ran really well. Uh, I'm a big CC fan. I thought CC was winning that race, um, and, and she did, and uh, no shame coming in second to CC with a, a – little bit of a tough trip early and then last race i know it wasn't that fast of a pace but you know to have to run with gamine for half the race you know it's kind of understandable to fade now lake avenue uh kind of ran with gamine too and stayed second so again it wasn't like a crazy fast pace or anything but still a decent enough race and i have reasons against all these other horses so uh, i would put a silo town talentoso as my top pick here and i'm i'm with marshall on the three uh except i'm gonna actually use a three uh, I know the form is different. Marshall mentioned so much good stuff about this horse, so I don't have to repeat it. And he mentioned about the same, uh, you know, races and the form is not the same. So I, I don't know, but that Keeneland race was so impressive in this same race last year. And um, I mean, he was, she was wide in the race. She chased a pretty hot pace and still won easily against some pretty decent horses. So um, I, I know the form's bad, but I don't love these other horses. So uh, I'm going to go four, three. And, and then my other pick would be Frank's Rockette. Like you said, I like Frank, Frank's Rockette a lot. I really thought she was going to do a lot of damage in that Breeders' Cup sprint. I know I'm pretty sure GQ was against her because she was a three-year-old and girl going against the boys and all that. But she ran like poop that day. And I don't know, her race two back even, I wasn't that impressed with. I thought she had a pretty easy lead. Um, she was chased two back at Prairie Meadows by a 14 to one shot who held second. So the pace held together and I wasn't that impressed. Last race was definitely better. She got off to a slow start, one to two lengths. Um, There's no head on in the replay, so I couldn't see how or why she got off to the slow start, but she spotted the field about one or two lengths and then ran three wide. The only thing is she ran against a lot weaker horses, I feel. So while you can upgrade the speed figure perhaps because of the trouble early in the wide trip, I, I don't know. I just, uh, and she might get a perfect trip, like, um, like Marshall said, sitting off the speed, but I I'm mostly going to be four and then three in this race. Um, but obviously the one or the six can definitely win. Uh, Marshall, do you want to follow up with anything else before we throw to GQ for a moment? Yeah, if you wouldn't mind. Um, the uh, My second choice in here is Estilo Talento. So um, this horse has really kind of come to life this year um, and has really kind of has really blossomed, uh, especially towards the end of the um, year so far. And I, and I think that this horse does have probably another step forward to take. Um It'll be interesting to see, again, pace-wise, uh, what happens here. If Estilo Talentoso and Franks Raquette are sitting 2-3, boy, Franks Raquette is in a world of hurt. Because um, I, I think Estilo Talentoso just has a far better kick down the lane. So um, also, interesting note on, on that buyer jump down for Belzawan. I didn't notice that until you said something. On the three other speed figures that I have, they they actually <laughs> kept it either the same or actually bumped it up from the last oh, two. Wow. Um, so that is kind of honestly very interesting. Um, I wonder if the track was just playing really, really goofy that day. Um, but I'm definitely going to go back and, and take a look at that day in general just to try to figure out why that is because – I mean, even if Bell's the one runs on 97, like she did in the honorable miss, boy, she's going to be tough to be here. Um, and if she runs anything like she did in the Roxalana as well, where 
you know, she chased a really slow pace. Everyone's in a world of hurt. Um, so, you know, for me, I definitely have to use Bell's the one more defensively than anything else. Um, but with Frank's Roquette and um, Estilo Talentoso. And, and to me, like, you know, class is a big thing also. And, and the four Estilo Talentoso and Bell's the one, the six, uh, they've just been running against so much better horses than the others. I mean, even Frank's Roquette, I don't want to knock too much because I know the horse can win and probably be my third choice here. Um, maybe fourth even, but uh, close to Bell's one, I guess. But um, even Frank's Raquette, I mean, has not run against much close to this. Yeah, Sconson is good, running against Sconson. Edgeway's okay. Um, so a little bit, but for the most part, the last couple of races have been against nothing compared to the grade one and grade two talent that the others have uh, have run against. So, yeah, I'm pretty confident if the four can get the uh, the distance, then uh, we'll be in good shape there. GQ, anything to add before we go on to race eight? No, I... I... I agree uh, with uh, both of your sentiments on the uh, four horse Estillo Talis or so, but I don't know. I, I, I keep seeing Bell's the one's record five, five of six at this distance with a second, um, you know, coming off of a short layoff at that race. Yeah, it didn't. It's probably why she's not four to five or three to five if she would have won that. Um, so I, I'd have to chalk out with Bell's the one based on that and her, her affinity for, um, Keenan as well. So good luck to you too, but I, I, I just keep looking and finding reasons why to, to like Bell's the one at anything, even money or above. If, uh, if, if anybody does reverse, try keys, key Frank's rocket as as um have frank's raquette as your as your key eight for nine at the distance in the money nice and you're probably going to get better in five to two because i yeah, i because I, I do think ta- steel of talent is probably going to take a little bit of money even though the connections are obscure i mean that horse is darn good yeah and we mentioned this before on the podcast you know once in a while but you know, we're, we're basing picks. Value is so important. So we're picking horses, but we're basing it on either the morning line or what we expect. Like if it's still a talentoso goes off at six to five or four to five or something, I don't want any part of the horse. I don't think she will, but um, you know, we're basing it based on, you know, the morning line or what's logical for the horse to go off. So I'm curious. I don't, I really don't know how they're going to bet this race. Frank's Raquette is like a name horse. I, I just think the horse is going to take money, but maybe because it's junior Alvarado and people don't bet him as much. Uh, I'm curious how it's going to uh, play out the betting. All right. Well, uh, oh, go ahead. GQ. Yeah, let me let me just add something. Just, uh, curiosity wise, uh, still a t- tally. Toso is based at Delaware Park, and you see, there's a lot of like uh, bullets on her works. So there's not a whole lot of grade ones based at Delaware Park. <laughs> so t- t- you know, if if you're a workout person, uh, which we preach that you really shouldn't be. Um, don't don't uh, take heed in bullet works uh, for a grade one or a graded stakes horse uh, at Delaware Park because it, they're they're not they're not working against the best in the country. Plus, what we know, workouts are about twenty percent accurate anyway in the uh, program. Exactly. So. exactly. Green salt. Anyway, all right. So let's go on to race eight. This is the first lady sprint. Uh, presented by, well, I'm not going to read the sponsor. They didn't pay us. Uh, it's one mile on the turf. It is a grade one. And I didn't love the first two races, somewhat short fields, a couple heavy favorites who, you know, might look tough, but, you know, going to try and beat most likely. But this begins some races where I kind of like them. 
when you get deeper fields the last three. So in this race, Marshall, how did you uh, see it playing out? Any horses you wanted to mention? So the first thing I'm going to say is that Empress Josephine is not going to be anywhere near that morning line. There is no way in hell this horse is 10 to 1. Okay. Um, Aiden O'Brien, Johnny V, this this horse run won the uh, – she won the Irish Guineas. I mean, this horse is good. There is no way in hell this horse will be 10 to 1. Um, that's just for starters. But um, for me, boy, this race is tough. There is a lot of hard-knocking horses, right? Althika, boy, she has been absolutely impressive in her last two has to be my top pick here, but I do think that Empress Josephine will actually get a better trip. Um, Empress Josephine typically is a little bit forward, a little bit more forwardly placed. Um, and with the, I don't want to say dearth of speed, but you know, it feels like, um, blowout's going to go to the lead, which boy, we've seen that before. Um, and what, you know, Blowout, although on the lead, is actually kind of dangerous in the, in this spot. I think we'll still come back to the field. Um, you know, uh, so for me, uh, you know, uh, Altica is probably going to be my top pick. Uh, Empress Josephine is a really, really close second. Um, uh, others in this field that I would I'd definitely have to use, I'd have to use the number nine blowout. I don't want to get beat by Flavian Pratt and Chad Brown, especially going out of the lead where we've seen blowout be able to, to hang on. I just think that in, in this race, the field is just so much better. Um, than, than what she faced in the, even the four star Dave and just, it's not going to come that easy. Um, and the, the other Chad Brown horse via Dara garnering Florent Giroux to ride. Um, that to me is a little bit puzzling. Um, uh, given that there are other runners, uh, other riders in the field, but I mean, Florent Giroux on the turf at Kingland is not, um, especially over the past five years, is not a good combo. Um, um, but for me, I do have to use Viadera um, along with um, a Blowout. Other than that, I don't need anyone else. I think we know who Regal Glory is. And um, horses like Hendy Woods, Daddy is a Legend, Harvey's Little Goyle, I think are just a cut below. Um, and same with Delica. Delica is a great horse. Boy, I wish I owned Delica. Just a cut below. Um, so yeah, that, uh, for, for me, I, the two Europeans and kind of everyone else. So, so let me just recap. So obviously the two, three, the two Europeans, and then you said also blow nine. out the nine and I'll be there at 13 or no, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I will definitely use the nine and the 13 as well. Okay. But, um, most of my picks are going to lean pretty heavy on the two and the three. All right. So I, I can't, I mean not giving any rocket science here. I can't disagree with the two or the three. I'm curious how you view this. So um, the, the two horse, Empress Josephine, you know, I, I love watching European replays. So two back where she lost by 20 something lengths. She was extremely rank in that race. Yep. Um, you know, I, I don't know how much, it sounds like you watched a lot of races and, and know this stuff pretty well. Um, do you kind of excuse that or, or use that as an excuse a little bit and be like, well, she was rank. If she's not rank again, then, you know, that really took a lot out of her. Maybe that explains partially why she lost by so much. I mean, not only that, but I think that this horse just prefers harder ground. Um, if you look at, you know, the, even the coronation stakes, you know, eight by 10 and a quarter was heavy, like very, I mean, it was raining heavily. Um, this year at Ascot was an absolute deluge almost every day. 
Um, you know, and, and looking at the, the Goodwood race, it was good to soft again. Uh, not only do I think the distance was way too far, but I just think that, um, the ground just didn't suit her. Um, you know, going back to the Irish guineas, yeah, it was heavy ground, but, uh, I also think that she was just a, a horse that had matured pretty early, um, and, and was, you know, miles above the rest. So for me, that that's where I would look, you know, her best race, which, um, you know, arguably speed figure wise is the, the matron stakes was on good ground. So I think that, you know, this horse really does prefer uh, a more firm turf. Um, you know, speaking of the, the weather, Keeneland has gotten about two and a half inches of rain in the past week, um, is not expected to get any more rain, but the, the turf course isn't going to be, you know, like a Gulfstream park, real hard dirt. Yeah. You know, it's going to be, um, you know, a, a real, uh, you know, I would say average, but, um, you know, it's not going to be dry, but it's not going to be extremely wet either. So um, I, I think that this will be turf that will hit her right between the eyes. All right. And for those who don't want to watch a replay or don't have access, uh, Empress Josephine last race, it does say checked early. And she was about, I would say about 15 steps into the race, 20 steps in. She got checked back, probably lost about two lengths, lost a little momentum. She also had a three-wide trip uh, in that race. I know some wider turns, maybe not as uh, big a deal having a wide trip. but So I, I would definitely upgrade her last race that she only lost by a length and a half, I think that says, in a great uh, group one. So, um, you know, definitely she rates here. I've long been an Althika fan. Uh, go back and listen to our other uh, shows. I've uh, been all over. I singled her at 7-1 on June 5th. She got a nice trip. In the last race, she got a... Okay, trip too. I mean, she didn't get in trouble, which closers can, but um, she just seems like a really good horse who's actually improving, perhaps. So both Europeans sound good. After that, though, I definitely disagree with you. I, I don't, you know, necessarily care for, um, you know, blowout, coughing up these leaves. That Vida is a nice horse, but I thought she saved ground, uh, had an excellent trip last time. Yeah, third off a layoff could be improving a little, but uh, I'm not going to use those. The other horses that I would use, uh, no great shakes. One you mentioned to perhaps I'm using it more sentimentally, which is not good. It's Harvey's little Goyle. I just, if you toss the dirt race, she's always been good pretty much equally on dirt and turf, but uh, I'm to the point where I think she might just be a better turf horse. So I'm going to toss the last dirt race. And that she wasn't as bad as it looks. I mean, that was a very fast pace. She was chasing against some really, really good horses. So uh, it, it really wasn't even that bad. Her last dirt race was uh, grade one, the Diana against Althika who won that race. And I thought, you know, you can upgrade that race. She had a three-wide trip the whole way. She was losing ground late. I don't love seeing that. But she had a three-wide trip the entire way. So she covered a lot more ground. I don't know if shortening up is going to help her or hurt her. She's mostly been running like a mile and an eighth and longer. Um, but her mile and 16th race, grade, grade three, one of the uh, easier races she's been in, uh, she won that fairly, I won't say easily, but fairly easily. So I don't think the mile will be bad for her. So I like Harvey's little Goyle. I would upgrade her last turf race, definitely. And the other horse who is taking a step up in class, but Princess Grace, the 10 horse, not a huge price. We covered that race last time on our show when we covered Kentucky Downs. And it was the first leg of the late pick five that day. And she just seemed like she was head and shoulders above that field. And, and I love Delica. You mentioned, you spoke about Delica perfectly. I love Delica. That race at Delaware was a monster race. That pace she set and, and duel and, and held on. Her last race was better than it looks. Uh, she had a very wide trip going three or four wide the whole way, but I still think Delica is a step below. But Princess Grace, um, her last race, she beat Delica. 
uh, and up Scott who's a long shot in here. And she got off to a really slow start, which really isn't a problem for her. So that was a unique situation. I wouldn't expect it to happen again, but she spotted the field at least two lengths. And yeah, she saved ground, but she won easily. I think she could have won by more. Uh, so Princess Grace, I think she's still improving. Again, it is a step up in class, but if you can get six to one, I, I honestly handicapped before the morning line. I thought she would be the second choice here. Maybe I was way off, but I really thought she'd be like three to one, seven to two second choice. Maybe she still will be, but if I can get six to one, I, I like her, but I'm definitely on the two euros first, two and three are my top two. And then Harvey's will go to the eight and Princess Grace, the 10. I'm not using anyone else in this spot. Um, Marsha, you want to, I, I don't throw it back to you before we go to GQ, I guess. The ride that Kent DeSormo gave Princess Grace last time out was just as top class of a ride as you will ever see. And, and the horse was by far the best in the race, but man, that, it was just, it was a masterclass. Um, DeSormo absolutely fits Princess Grace to a T and it shows, you know, watching the replays. Um, I think Princess Grace is, is a good horse. Um, and, you know, it's as good of a time as any to, kind of step out into the deep end but boy those these waters are really really deep um your angst against blowout blowout is uh let's see here if we look at the old pp seven for eight at the distance um in the in either the winner place and the last race is the only time that this horse hasn't been in the top two at a mile so there there definitely is that um but I do think that blowout is a couple of, uh, a couple of this field um, overall. All right. We'll see, you know, definitely. I mean, you would think should have an easy lead again. I just, you know, I like to bet against horses who have easy leads, but listen, I'm, I would not want to talk anyone off of blowout, especially if you're getting a price, this is going to be the biggest price you're going to get on blowout in her, his career here. So her career uh, going back to 2019, at least. So uh, if you like blowout, you definitely get in the price. DQ, you want to uh, add your two cents or do you want to talk about like chocolate or going to like popcorns now or something? What do you oh, got? I for us? Uh, I, I'll <laughs> just mention the horse that, that Mark Marshall is, is against mainly because of Floral Giroux. Um, the, the 13 horse Viadera. Yeah, Joel is, is staying in New York. This is Chad, Chad Brown's third. Uh, starter in this race he's run out of uh jocks uh, according to brisnet uh this will be floron Giroux's first time that chad brown gives him a leg up on his horse over in the past year i mean i'm looking at this horse and arguably the horse might could have been six for six at this distance uh Albeit for a uh, horrible uh, trip, uh, two back when uh, six to five favorite. So I'm going to put my faith in Floral Giroux and go with uh, as Marshall cringes. <laughs> yeah, I just I just looked up the last five years um, uh -huh. on the fly. Um, Floral Giroux has rode 18 times and won once. Ooh, I was that's better than I thought. I thought maybe it would be an offer. Is that for Chad Brown? Uh, you're saying he's one yes. for eighteen. Okay, yep. he's one for eighteen with Chad Brown. It, it's a good nugget. So, um, since you know, on this podcast, that's about my percentage of uh, giving out winners. I'll I'll, I'll 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 go with it as a contrarian type of uh, bet. And you know, one for eight. Oh, go ahead, Marshall. Viadera, I think, is the most talented 
workhorse in the field that Chad Brown has. Uh, the only problem is that 13 post, that turn's going to come up kind of quick. Um, and there's a lot of horses that have the same kind of running style when they get out of the gate. Um, watch going into that first turn. Uh, I will put money on the fact that it's going to be a mess. Um, not necessarily for Viadera, but it's going to be a mess going into that first turn. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you figure blowout will be maybe a couple. Oh, I think blowout will be a couple lengths ahead yeah. of the field, perhaps, and then everyone else will be uh, punched up. So we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah, I'm playing beat Chad Brown. The only Chad Brown I would contemplate is Regal Glory, but I'm not using Regal Glory. That would be my fifth pick, but I'm not going that deep. All right, so if we're ready to move on to race nine, there's a Breeders' Cup Futurity Grade One at a mile and a sixteenth on the dirt for two-year-olds. Um, much on that, I didn't really talk beforehand about the races, but just kind of offhandedly talking about the sequence, uh, based on what he said, it seems like this is a, a tough, wide open race. I don't want to put words in his mouth. Uh, for me, it's going to be the opposite. And I'm, I'm kind of glad to hear Marshall say that because it's always good to have like the opposite of what people like. So I'm hoping a lot of people view it as a wide open race and spread here. I'm going very short here. Uh, it's potentially single most likely too deep and in my vertical bets i'll be using a third horse i'll talk about um but yeah i'm, I'm pretty much too deep here uh <laughs> marshall's making some kind of gestures at me i i don't understand them but he doesn't believe me or, shocked. Uh, i'm shocked shocked right, should i go first then should i talk about my horses so you please tell yes. me why i'm wrong all right <laughs> so in in either order the two horses i like are and i can't believe i am I'm not a jockey person, first of all. I've said this a lot. I don't really care who's riding the horse. To me, it's a dime a dozen. Anyone can give a good ride, a bad ride. Not a dime a dozen. I don't want, uh, you know, Finger Lakes guy. GQ, you're saying something nasty about me, but you're muted, so it doesn't count. I didn't know Herman Harkey had a, uh, oh. Heeman Harkey had a mountain this race. Exactly. <laughs> it was like Heeman Harkey, and sorry, Mr. Harkey, if you're listening, I'm sure you're a wonderful guy. Uh, but if it was like Harkey and the other horse were ridden by Irad and Joel, yeah, I care. But when they're all similar jockeys, I don't care that much. And I can't believe this, but I'm going as one of my horses in this race, Sophie Doyle. Nothing against Sophie Doyle. I honestly don't know that much about her. I think she's British, but I'm not even sure about that. Yes. Uh, but the seven American Sanctuary is one of the horses. And I guess I'll say quickly why, and then I'll say the other horse, who I probably like a little more, but American Sanctuary is going to be a better price. Uh, this is a horse who was stretched out last time to a mile at Monmouth. And yeah, lost to, who's the other horse? The one horse, Double Thunder, the Pletcher horse. And yes, Double Thunder was under a hand ride and could have won by 10 lengths probably. So from that perspective, you'd be like, why are you betting this horse over, well, why do you like this horse over Double Thunder? Well, I thought this horse um, had uh, not an ideal trip. He got bumped at the start, had a check about a length or so, uh, into the first turn, had a two to three wide trip on the first turn, three wide trip on the second turn, made an early move into a strong pace. For all those reasons, I really upgraded last race a lot. Um, I, you know, it got a 73 buyer. To me, that was closer to like an 80 buyer, if not higher, based on the trip. So to me, his last race was as good or better than anyone in this field. Uh, I think there's a lot of pace here, although it's hard. Now, I'm curious for Marshall, because I'm terrible with pace. I don't really... To me, pace in like pass races when analyzing and handing is, is huge. That's like almost everything. But in projecting the pace, I just always have trouble because it just seems so unpredictable. And I've said this before, but maybe because I'm in New York and no jockey goes, so there's never a pace. It's like hard to predict. And maybe that carries over to other tracks with me. But 
Um, it, it looks like there should be a lot of speed. And I hope when I throw it to Marshall in a moment that he says there's a lot of speed in the race. It'll make me feel a lot better about the seven uh, American Sanctuary. But um, if she or he can just kind of improve a little off of last race, I think that might be enough to get the job done here. And the other horse who I like a lot is the nine great escape. Uh, Rudy Brissette or Brisset, I think he's French. Uh, Tyler Gaffleon in the irons. And this is a horse who... It's coming off a maiden victory, which is always scary to step up in class. But most of these are either coming off a maiden victory or small stakes, except for like uh, Kevin's Folly, the uh, the twelve horse, and you know maybe one of the horse, something like that. And the Iroquois uh, Stellar Tap came out of, I guess. But even that was a bunch of maidens running in that Grade Three. So to me, I'm not that concerned about coming off a maiden. It's not like a three year old is going against you know these experienced horses who have been running against much better. Uh, but Great Escapes last race, I thought was very good. He had a three wide trip. I thought he was so much the best in that race. It was only his second start and improved off his uh, first start. Um, I, I'm not good with breeding either. I, I mean, to me, Pioneer Denial, Indian Charlie, shouldn't have a problem with the distance. I wouldn't think stretching out is going to hurt. Got a 79 buyer last time. I'd upgrade that a little bit because he had the three-wide trip, covered a lot more ground. If this horse can handle the two turns, it's not really that much of a stretch out. It's just the two turns. Uh, I don't see any reason why you know this horse can't improve and, um, he ran as well as anyone last time. So uh, I'm on the seven and the nine and, and I'll just say one more thing that I'll give it to Marshall. I don't want to steal thunder. I am, I'm disappointed in the morning line on the 13 and I'm curious, I'm giving Marshall a lot of homework here to do when he, when he goes I'm curious, what he thinks the price and GQU, the price on the 13, but the 13 got a monster buyer speed figure. We'll see about the other speed figures from my uh, friends over here when they, when they speak, but got a monster figure, but I'm against horses who get monster figures with easy ideal trips first out I, I'm, and now a tough post I'm, I'm totally against the 13 i know the 13 maybe the 90 speed figure was real he'll repeat it and he'll win but i'm definitely against the 13 i was just hoping the 13 would be like three to one five to two or even shorter people would see the speed figure and go for him and maybe they will but um anyway i'm seven nine i'm not using anyone else the three is the possibility but i don't want to keep talking that'll be the other horse if i was betting vertically but if uh marshall doesn't say anything i'll talk about the three after so marshall i spoke long enough i'll throw to you any uh thoughts on what i said so looking at the speed figures for the 13, uh, buyer is the only one that has it that high. Oh, wow. Um, in fact, looking at, uh, at optics specifically, um, the horse has the third highest. Hmm. Interesting. Optics figure. So, um, uh, it is kind of interesting that, 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 that figure is, I don't want to say inflated, but that it's much higher, especially on buyer. So another great question that to have to ask, but um, the, your, your, your top pick American sanctuary. I, I like that horse. The, the, the ride from Sovido was great. Um, you know, especially with the, the bum start, you know, really had to kind of extra kit herself out from, from, a couple different scenarios that could have been pretty bad um, to, to be able to get as close to the, to the leader um, as he did was great. I don't know class wise, if the seven or the one stack up to anything in this race, um, which is what makes me leery about them. Um, you know, the big questions here are, I guess the first biggest question is what do you do with stellar tap? Um, I mean, the horse was so extremely overly favored in the Iroquois um, and Laid a dud, I thought. Really, you know, was sat off of a lead, which um, on all pace figures that I see wasn't overly fast, was fairly moderate. 
And the horse coming down the stretch just really had nothing, nothing left towards the, the line. The breeding suggests this horse should run three miles. Um, so, you know, to me, the, the, the mile and a 16th distance doesn't seem to be the problem. So I don't know what to do with, with Stellar Tap. I won't put the horse on top, but it, I, I think this horse is really quite talented overall. Um, but for me, you did mention my top pick, which is the nine. Oh, I like that. Great escape. Um, you know, I, I thought this horse uh, last time out was really quite a professional, um, was able to sit back, made one run, um, and was able to pass and, and, and win uh, against uh, Seal Beach. Although I ultimately, I think Seal Beach is actually going to be more of a turf horse. Um, you know, Seal Beach being um, um, out of a union rags mare by midshipmen. Um, and, you know, trained by Mike Maker, I think eventually that horse will transition mm -hmm. to the turf, but I, I think the horse is good. I mean, the 30 to one morning line doesn't suggest that in this race, but, mm. um, but I think that that was really professional effort. My biggest question with great escape is actually the pedigree midnight storm, um, out of an Indian Charlie mare to me suggests that the horse is probably going to want a shorter distance. I don't, I don't think going a route is actually going to be um what this horse ultimately will be the best at but i mean you got to take a shot with this race um but so for me the number nine uh will be my top pick second choice for me is actually going to be the five don't wait up anthony dutro has actually quietly had a very small but really robust stable um and i thought that 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 uh maiden special weight win last time out i don't think was aided by um the the slap i think that the the horse actually just ran actually threw it because upstart really wasn't a big um um uh, uh mudlark and i and i especially haven't seen that in any progeny but looking at um the horse that that don't wait up beat um the uh, commander performance was a todd pletcher horse that ran second last week um uh, in a in a big uh stakes race and that um was against uh wit and in that race. So I think that don't wait up is actually a lot better than, than the speed fingers kind of suggest. So for me, it's those two, I have to use stellar tap. I also have to use the number um, 11 Costa Terra. Um, I don't know what this horse has actually faced, but Roger McQueen ran last week and ran really quite well. Um, and I, and I think that this horse, um, by gun runner will actually, um, really quite relish the, uh, the distance, uh, gun runner out of a tap at mare, um, just distance, um, personified there. The one horse that I think is going to take an absolute ton of money and is actually going to float the price of everyone else in this is the number 12, Kevin's folly, um, Flavian Pratt coming in to ride for Tom Amos. Uh, th this horse was third to Gunite in the, in the grade one hopeful and really did have uh, kind of a troubled trip, basically almost all the entire way around, ran into trouble a few different times and um, uh, really tired coming down the lane. I, I think this horse is better than that race suggests, it, but boy, is there a lot of steam coming in on Kevin's Folly coming into this race. And I fully expect that 12 to one morning line to be cut in half at least, um, if not more. So um, I think that that'll help us uh, with the prices of 
of the the rest of the field in in this race. Yeah, and just um, see, I didn't see Kevin Spotty race the same way you did. I, I'll have to rewatch that though because I didn't make you know trouble notes there. I, I just wrote like um, when I write like an E for even, like it didn't favor speed or closers and there was no trouble, but I'll have to watch it again. You probably saw something that I missed because I was going quickly. Maybe the 11 Costa Terra who you mentioned, actually, if you like that horse, um, had a slight hop at the start. It doesn't say it in the uh, PPs there, but it hopped at the start a little bit and spotted the field. Not that much, but it definitely hurt. So that might be a, another reason to like the 11 if you do. And you mentioned the three. I, I and wanted to bring up the three that first race that um that he ran stellar tap was was pretty impressive i mean a major speed duel with a six to five favorite in the race and put that horse away and won for fun uh, i don't know if it was any good or made him field but that was a really impressive race but like you said last time there was really no excuse and i, I don't know if if i can just say all right well i love the first race i'll excuse the last one i, I don't i don't know so but if that horse wins, I'll probably kick myself and be like, oh, I love that horse so much from that first race. I should have bet him. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good with the 7-9. Kevin, just, um, uh, Marshall, just to uh, recap, you mentioned the 3 is a horse you're going to use, the 5 is a horse you're going to use, the 9 is your top pick, the 11, Costa Terra, those four. Was there anyone else I missed that you uh, that you liked or wanted to include? Oh, I think you might be muted or else I did something wrong. Yep, nope, nope. Oh, there you go. That was definitely me. <laughs> Darn it, the mute monster got me again. Um, classic causeway, the 13 would be another that I would, I would have to use. I don't know if that okay. 90 buyer speed figure, um, in that main special weight is really, really a 90, yeah. but, um, coming out of that race Trafalgar, um, was actually able to increase the, th his buyer speed figure by three points next time out. So, um, to me that, that almost kind of verifies that, uh, in a sense, uh, there's been three other horses that have came out of it. Um, and, uh, three out of the four have either matched or increased their buyer. So, um, that, I think that figure is okay. Um, but it's, it's hard to trust just by looking at it. Yeah. And like I said, I just, I just, what you said about the other speed figures not being high, it makes me upset in the sense that maybe it won't take as much money as I thought, but, uh, it makes me feel better that the horse won't win necessarily. <laughs> so, uh, you know. I was only afraid maybe if the buyer was legit and, and all, but even if it is, like I said, I, I would downgrade it personally. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure the horse is very talented and, and can win. So if you or anyone likes them, don't let me talk you off them. GQ, you're sitting so patiently by in high definition over there. Would you like to add your two cents before we finish up? Uh, just to, to answer your question from a Brisnet point of view on the 13 classic causeway, um, the Brisnet figure that, uh, classic causeway got is tied for second highest among those entered in this race with none other than uh the nine great escape uh so what was the buyer that great escape got in uh his last race he got a 79 buyer compared Versus, to 90 for the 13 wow. and 90 as far as brisnet was concerned they both got a 93 yep and great escape did it a lot more impressively the number with that three wide trip where classic causeway had the, the easy lead. Sure. The, the one who got the highest, uh, is the 92, uh, number five, uh, don't wait up, got a 95 Brisnet in his maiden breaking score. Uh, yeah, there's uh, like, like, uh, Marshall had said about stellar tap. I I'd be on stellar tap. I think he'll per 
he'll improve coming off of that mile on the 16th. Uh, and and that, that's one thing I think he has an advantage. He's actually gone that distance. Everybody else outside of the six, rattle and roll, and the uh, horse coming off of the turf try, the eight, Ken Curlin, uh, going a mile. Uh, excuse me. I think there was somebody else who had actually gone a, a mile and a 16th. I can't find him now. Oh, yeah. So it was just those two, Stellar Tap and Rattle and Roll. I've already tested that distance, rattle and roll, actually winning at the distance and then bolted when I was going to go a mile and an eighth. Obviously, he's got to step up from his uh, speed figures, but uh, it's certainly not an impossibility. But I'd give Stellar Tap another look. Yet, it, you know, as, as Marshall pointed out, looked like he had tired, but, uh, you know, may, maybe he needed uh, some uh, – uh, stamina built into him and hopefully uh, over the past three weeks that has happened. So I I'd be on stellar tap. All right. I'll, and that, I'll, I'll go sorry, ahead, Marshall. Sorry. Yeah, I'll pose, ahead. I'll pose the question to, um, to time form Craig about um, classic causeway and um, uh, the last speed figure outlier as well, to see if there was anything weird with the tracks just to try to, um, at least start a, a little bit of a horse racing thread to see if we can't uh, tease out why these figures are, are so much higher in buyer than, than the rest. Okay, cool. And that doesn't, doesn't time form um, factor in pace and all in their figures, correct? Yes, sir. Yep. All right. So, so I would think that he would have lowered the number based on the fairly easy lead and not that fast of a pace. Does that make sense? Or am I way off with that? No, I would agree with that. I, I just, um, I, Time form isn't the only one that has that yeah. figure lower. So I'm, right. I'm like curious. That, yeah. I'm curious if there was something specific in either the race dynamics or just how that track was that day, the track variant. Um, if there was something specific where um, everyone else had downgraded, but buyer. So yeah, um, I'll be curious to see what he says. All right. Yeah, no, definitely. Me too. Um, and in the meantime, we'll go on to uh, the finale here, race 10, at least the finale of the pick five. There is a race 11. It is the Keeneland Turf Mile, and this race is kind of loaded with some big names here, uh, including the Breeders' Cup winner from last year, Order of Australia, who won, I believe, a Breeders' Cup last year, right? Am I wrong about that? No, Breeders' Cup Mile winner, yeah. Order of Australia, who won it 73-1. to Hopefully, Marshall had him that day. I don't know. (laughs) I definitely did not. I can tell you that. Uh, I have some strong opinions here. I started off with not much opinions. I finished with strong ones. They might be wrong. But definitely some strong opinions here. So, uh, Marshall, I'll, I'll start with you. How do you see this race playing out? So, uh, Order of Australia, uh, I, I ended up getting off the horse. In the morning, um, Real Dynasty picks Vinnie Blonde and I were, were talking in the morning about this horse. And how, man, if, if the price is this high, this, this horse is, actually could be live. And this horse is actually entered in a different stake earlier in the card that I really liked. And they ended up scratching for the Breeders' Cup Mile. Um, and unfortunately in my infinite wisdom decided now ah, I'll jump off that horse. And Ooh. then, <laughs> and then of course wins at, at, at huge odds. So, um, order of Australia has a small place in my heart, uh, because of that. Um, for me, I only need one horse and that is order of Australia. Uh, I think this oh, horse, wow. um, coming into the field, yeah, uh, coming into this race, uh, is the form is remarkably 
better than last year. We know that this horse can handle Keeneland. We know this horse can handle a mile. And boy, I mean, just look at, at the horses that Order of Australia has raced against. Look at how he has done against these these horses. You know, the last win was in the Minstrel Stakes, it, uh, grade two at the Curra. Um, but this horse prefers firm ground and has raced, you know, in the Sussex Stakes, which was on soft, um, ran the highest time form rating figure um, of the career in the Prix de Moulin de Longchamp, but, um, you know, fell, you know, a, a length and a quarter short. So I think this horse is coming into the race with absolute vigor, um, is going to sit right off the pace, is going to get just an absolute perfect trip. And I think that Order of Australia is my slam dunk of the night. Wow. All right. You better hope Johnny V gets a good night, good night rest the, uh, the night before. I think you have him in <laughs> several races. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> you better have a good day. I always love Johnny V, so it's all right. I'm sure he better will do well for you. Out. I'm actually going to uh, go against Order of Australia, and you made some excellent points, and you're probably right, and I'm probably wrong. So I'll tell you why I'm going against Order of Australia, which, again, is probably not great reason. Um, two back. Ran at Deauville or Deauville? You're, you're pronouncing these foreign names really great. So is that yeah. Deauville or Deauville? Do you know? Uh, I, 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 Deauville? Uh, it's Deauville, right? Yeah, but I, I speak Spanish. I don't speak French. Oh, all right. So, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're both love languages. You, you pronounce Longchamp very well. Longchamp. And, uh, a few other names. There you go. Excellent. Uh, so two back, he comes in third in that group one. He had the lead. He was kind of dueling on the lead with a 14 to one shot who faded. So that was nice, but... There was a three to one who was kind of stalking right up on the pace too. who held on for a second. But, so I was like, hey, it was like even, didn't favor speed or, or closure necessarily. Didn't run against a good one in Palace Pier, who's a multiple group one winner. So that's what scares me, the class and, there. And Poetic because, Flair. Poetic Flair is a really oh, top yeah, class. Two, came in second. Of course, too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so the class impresses me, but you know, I, I don't know. And then the, the, the next race didn't impress me that much. Maybe you're right. And I didn't think about that. Maybe just doesn't love it uh, on the softer side. And if that's the case, then I'm in trouble. But uh, last race, save ground. I thought I had a, a, a very good trip, um, saving ground behind uh, the speed there in second. Uh, a horse who was like kind of a long shot just went out uh, as a runoff, was up like six, seven lengths most of the race and, you know, came back finished towards the back. It was only a six-horse field, if I remember correctly. And um, I, I just didn't have any excuse for this horse. Came in second. If they ran another 10 steps, would have come in third. Again, maybe is running against better horses. I, I looked up. Victor, I, I don't know this horse. Maybe you do. Victor Lodorum, who came in third, who came back to run uh, eighth in a non-graded or non-group stakes race. Again, I, I don't usually look to like, like to look at that because maybe the horse got like totally slammed at the start or something and had no chance. But I, I, listen, the horse definitely can win, but at a short price, and there's others I like. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a swing against. And I'm also assuming that perhaps they're coming back to get a race before the Breeders' Cup. They didn't do that last year, so I don't know if that's definitely true. But you know, maybe they just want to race before the Breeders' Cup, and maybe you're not gonna be cranked up full full uh, tilt here. Um, so I, I'm gonna take a swing against. I can't blame you or anyone who likes the horse. Obviously, a very talented horse. But um, there's a horse I really like in here also, uh, and that's Ivar, the six horse. Um, last year I hit a nice one at, uh, Kentucky Downs and Ivar was in the race and, uh, Flavius, the Chad Brown horse, this was on, uh, Labor Day, I think of, uh, last year at Kentucky Downs, 
Flavius won. It was the last race, about six to one, hit a nice pick five. And after the race, or maybe it was a few weeks later, when I started to see horses out of that race run back and I watched replays, I'm like, holy crap, I got really lucky because Flavius had an awesome trip. And Ivar, um, you know, I thought ran so much better in that race. That was a really, really wicked pace. And the horse hung around and the other pace collapsed. So ever since that race, I really liked Ivar. Came back in the uh, Shadwell Turf Mile uh, last year, which I don't know if it was the same race and they just changed the name. It's not Shadwell or if this is a, a different race. I'm really not sure, but I have a feeling it's like the same race, just a different name now. Maybe Shadwell's not sponsoring it. And won that race, ran very well uh, to win that race, put up a huge speed figure. Uh, right in the Breeders' Cup mile, obviously lost to Order of Australia. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't even go back and, and watch that race. It was the last race of the season. Um, came back off of a, a long layoff in May. And I remember that race because to me, that was on paper perhaps the best race of the year in the United States. Colonel Liam was running lights out at that point. Domestic spending, who became, I think, the best turf horse in the country uh, since then or after that, uh, was running lights out. Uh, in that race, there wasn't much of a pace in the race. And I think that's what helped Colonel Liam. And that's why I love domestic spending coming out of that race, because domestic spending closed into that slow pace. And Ivar was A, running off a layoff, B, running way further than the horse wanted to, and um, C, had no pace to close into, and for whatever reason, was far back. So the only thing that scares me about Ivar is the fact that there are a lot of layoffs here. So maybe physically there's something wrong. But if this horse is right, which I would hope that if they're running the horse, he's right, I really like this horse. Uh, doesn't have to be that far off the pace. Kind of hasn't shown speed in a while, but especially with the blinkers on, again, used to show speed with them. So I think this horse can make his own trip. And I'm, I'm really a big fan of Ivar. I just hope that he's okay. So that would be my top pick. So as uh, Marshall is, is pretty set on the 10 here and has good reasons, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty set on the six here. I'm, I don't think I'm singling the six, although I, I could single the six. I have two others that I was interested in also. Uh, or actually three others, but um, Marshall, is there anyone you want to talk about? I know you're kind of stone cold to the 10 here, but you know, if you were betting vertically or anything, any other horses interest you? Oh, I mean, I, I, Ivar is, uh, I mean, uh, this, this five-year-old is, is really, really been extremely uh, consistent. I mean, the, ever since um, the optional claimer back in June of 2020, this horse has fired off 100, 100, 102, 104, 101, 97 buyer speed figures, and has just been a, a really ultra consistent. Um, obviously, the the horse has been kind of ouchy as of late, um, with some some pretty long layoff lines, um, and you know maybe they're just trying to get a, a race into this horse um, uh, just to try to uh, get something. You know, again, maybe the Breeders' Cup is is a goal if they go if they do well here but um but I, uh, this race is really tough and i mean really tough i think colonel liam or domestic spending in this race would be i don't know third choice mm. um i i think that order of australia is real deal legit european form i think space traveler also has some very good european form um came back in, in the woodbine mile and didn't disappoint actually ran um a lot better than than i or even the odds suggested um and that's even with a terrible start so i i think that uh it, it's interesting too that they ship in danny tudhope from fr um from europe to to be able to ride here um so 
I really do think space traveler has, has a little bit of a look, uh, in this race. Um, you know, again, looking, um, Ivar is good diamond. Oops. I do not know why they're deciding to, to try here. Uh, they really should be going in, in some of the sprint races earlier. Um, some like a hot Brown is obviously going to be the pace setter. Um, I just don't know if, uh, and I don't think that, some like a hot brown is is good enough in this race, um, to to be quite frank. So uh, you know I think that this race kind of lacks a lot of uh, grade one form, and I mean true grade one form. Um, and I, I really think that the the only two that have it is Order of Australia and Space Traveler. Um, and 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 to be fair, Ivar as well. I apologize, but um, so if you didn't want a single Order of Australia, I would need those three and no more. Yeah, and, and what you said is why I'm not singling Ivar. It's a little scary, just the fact that maybe this is kind of just like they need a race of prep for the Breeders' Cup. And if that's the case, then maybe it won't be fully cranked up. So that does scare me. But otherwise, I, I love Ivar. Uh, if that wasn't the case, if it wasn't for the layoff, um, you know, in the, the space before the Breeders' Cup, uh, I would be all over. I do like Space Traveler, probably be my third pick here. Um, I upgraded last race slightly, had a little bit of a wide trip, a 22 to one shot, wired the field, town cruise. Uh, there wasn't a ton of pace in the race. Although the, the closers did okay, so it wasn't like Space Traveler was totally against it, but just it was hard to catch that leader. So definitely I agree with Space Traveler as a, a, a threat here. Um, you mentioned some like in Hot Brown. There's a horse I've liked for a while now. Um, his last grade one effort was in the uh, Maker's Mark Mile at Keeneland in April. It was off of a layoff, and that was an insane pace. Like every closer out of that race was a bet against and it worked out well. And every horse who was anywhere near the pace, if you bet next time, you did really well, um, including some like in Hot Brown, you can see only five to two, but came back to win next out. Um, this is a horse I like. La last race um, at Kentucky Downs, that was another insane pace. This is why I do not like picks later Monarchs Glen at all in this race, because that was a wicked pace. The time in that case is indicative of how the pace actually was and closers dominated. Perfect setup. And for some like it, Hot Brown to hang on. Yeah, it was against grade three. It wasn't as good a horses, but this is a horse that is, um, uh, to me, yeah, he's only had a you know, couple of grade one uh, efforts and he's finished toward the back. But I, I found an excuse in his last one, big time, uh, in his last grade one and definitely in his last race, big excuse. My problem, and, and one other horse I want to throw out at a big price um, it, who's outclassed, but I don't, I upgrade his last race a lot and something to think about, the eight. Brown Storm at 50 to 1. This horse was also in a wicked duel last time. Uh, granted, with a long shot who, who faded, but um, you know, that that pace was wicked. They were way ahead in the rest of the field. And again, class is going to be a major issue, but I would upgrade that performance. My fear here is that the horses I like, other than Space Traveler, who comes off the pace, Ivar with the blinkers, I think will be close, especially off the layoff, might be a little fresh and, and close. I'm just hoping Ibar can sit just off the speed and get a really good trip. Brown Storm is a speed ball. Some like it hot brown. It's kind of a speed ball. I'm just concerned that all my horses are going to burn each other up in a speed duel, but I'll have Space Traveler as the lone closer for me. So if they do burn themselves up, hopefully I can be saved by Space Traveler coming off the pace. Um, Marsha, I know you said a lot in the race, but anything else before we throw it to uh, GQ? No, I, I completely agree. I think that there is quite a bit of pace in this race overall. Um, and that's where, you know, I, I'm thinking that, uh, you know, hopefully Ivar can sit off, you know, not necessarily be on the leaders, but, you know, fourth or fifth in the pocket, that'd be great. Um, you know, I, I hope that 
Order of Australia gets the, a very similar trip. Um, otherwise, if either of those get involved with with any of the speeds, some like Ah Brown, Tell Your Daddy, um, um, Brown Storm, you name it, any one of those, or Pixelate has even shown speed at times too. Um, Diamond Oops coming out of sprint races, who knows what what Diamond Oops is even going to do. Um, I, I really am uh, leaning towards mid pack or or closers in this race, and and because speed in Europe is vastly different than North America, that's why I think Order of Australia is just going to sit just an absolute peach of a trip behind um, probably mid pack or so, and probably get almost an identical run of what he got in the Breeders' Cup last year. Um, you know, sitting fourth or fifth, um, tucked in, rolls out wide, mows them all down. So um, I, I also um, uh, agree that that last race from Brown Storm was good. It was, it was a very solid effort. Um, I had Kentucky Ghost that day, and boy, I was let down because um, In Love really did run uh, a really good race with um, Alex Achard aboard. But um, uh, yeah, it's to, for me, I don't need anyone but Order of Australia. And if Order of Australia is any better than two to one, um, there will be some beeping of a truck backing up my driveway so I can start shoveling in uh, wheelbarrows worth of money on to Order of Australia. All right. Well, I hope uh, I hope you hit with that. And uh, hopefully my, my strong opinion, race nine, that uh, British Cup Futurity. If it comes in seven nine or nine seven in that race, you'll hear me uh, screaming as well. So, um, you know, we'll see in this race what goes on. I just wish the race race was in New York because then I just bet some like it hot brown because there would be no pace. And every time he's running New York, you can look; he just gets an easy lead. <laughs> it's crazy. Every other track, he gets in the speed duel just about, but in New York, they never go with him. So uh, we'll see what happens this race. But I know personally, you hear Marshall is very strong on the ten, and I respect his opinion. I'm going to try and beat the ten even though I do respect his opinion with the four, uh, six, eight, 13 for me, GQ, you want to, uh, you want to wrap it up for us here? Yeah. I mean, after talking, after hearing your opinions or whatever, I'm, I'm set for a stone cold trifecta. I'm going 10, six, four. That would be order of Australia, Ivar and space traveler. That, they actually should have named this, uh, race the international or whatever did, did you see i mean all throughout the continent these horses are uh the, the breeding kentucky ireland brazil chile, chile England, yeah Britain, maryland new york i mean it's great you know where, where else do you find a race with a the the, the green like that but yeah i i think uh the horses who have uh run on foreign soil they they, they look the best and erica your your mention i was looking at pixelate as possible i didn't i didn't care for the the nine to two i would certainly take ivar over pixelate and uh as you would you talked me off of him with this the pace scenario that uh, came about in that last race. So yeah, I'm, I'm just going to take, uh, both of your opinions and throw in a horse that can, uh, 
be the most likely to run behind those top two with a 10, six, four straight triple. So thank you GQ for the favorite, second favorite, third favorite. Very good job. Uh, picking, uh, going out on a limb here. Appreciate it. <laughs> but LA, that's wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. I, I never said anything about, I, I'm not using picks late nine to two. I'm not using. It's going to be uh, the three favorites you picked. It's going to be 10, six, four, the favorites. In oh, that that's order. right. Oh, I forgot. We're not, we're not uh, handicapping Belmont. So that means the morning line's all screwed up, right? Exactly. Exactly. If it's not <laughs> Belmont, it's not a good morning line. <laughs> no, Keith Fuso, if you're listening, Keith, GQ apologizes. He left you out. I, I, I don't know. Who, who, line. Shout who, out who, David Aragona. Yep, yeah. David Aragona. Who, all right. Who's oh. the uh, morning line maker at uh, Keeneland? Is it Mike Pataglia still? Was he the morning line? I don't uh, know. He would ma- mainly just uh, Churchill. Oh, no. I don't know. Marshall was saying something. He keeps clicking mute and off mute, so I don't know. I, th- I think it is Pataglia, but uh, no, I, I, think could it be, is. I, I could be wrong. Yeah, well, and the morning line seemed okay. I, I didn't see anything crazy about the morning line, so it seems like it's okay. Um, I know we went really wrong here, Marshall. We talked about possibly sharing a ticket. Do you want to uh, – we can skip it if you want, but do you want to mention it uh, quickly? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, for for me, the the ten in the last is is my single, but um, in leg one I'd be four six two, in leg two I would be one four six, leg three would be the three, the two, the nine, and the thirteen, leg four, which is the real fatty leg, would be the nine, five, three, eleven, and thirteen, and all of those are in order of preference. All right, very nice. And I didn't actually put together a ticket, but I know I'll be leaning on Estillo Talentoso um, in race seven, whether I single or I throw in that three horse is, uh, you know, another story. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not going to go that deep. So I'll probably throw in the three and then press with Estillo Talentoso. Uh, and then I'm just going to most likely go seven, nine in the Breeders' Cup Futurity, American Sanctuary in Great Escape. So I'm not really too deep in it. I don't think I'm going more than four deep in any race, uh, you know, one or two races. I'm going four deep. Maybe that's about it. So it shouldn't be too expensive a ticket. Anyway, uh, GQ, any uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up? No. Nope. Uh, gosh, for, for once, I actually have a three-day weekend. I My employer, uh, we celebrate Columbus Day weekend. I'm sure you're not teaching on Columbus Day either. You rarely teach regardless. I, I don't know what school system you're in, but <laughs> it seems like you're handicapping more than teaching lessons. But uh Ouch, ouch, ouch. It's called time management, GQ, time management, all right? All my bosses who are listening now are going to start looking over my shoulder. Um, <laughs> yes, Indigenous Peoples Day we're off for, so uh, <laughs> thank you for being sensitive. Um, Marshall, we, we thank you so much for joining us. Uh, great personality, brought some good handicapping. I love it because when we have guests on, they bring different um, handicapping angles and stuff like that. You brought some stats in that I'm not a, a big stats guy, so you know, that I wouldn't normally look at. Uh, you talk about how horses come out of races and maybe win the next race, which I don't really look at too much. So it's good for our listeners to hear some other uh, other ways of thinking. So thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Good luck this weekend. Yeah, good Hope luck to you well. guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, it, it's been a it's been a, a blast for sure. Yes, nice same here. We'll have to have you on again. And I am going to check Twitter for sure. G1 Handicapper to uh, check the weather forecast for uh, for Keeneland on uh, Friday and Saturday as it uh, gets closer. So once again, thank you, Marshall. GQ, thanks for another great performance. Good luck to everyone out there this weekend. Enjoy opening week of Keeneland. We'll speak to you next week. Take care.